0: Good morning, Uh, my name's Tim, I'm a member here, and it's good to see everyone. Uh, Before we get into the sermon, I do want to say Tuesday's Veterans Day, and I want to say to all of our veterans a huge thank you uh, so much. Yes. Um, uh, we, uh, We could never know exactly what you guys went through at all. Uh, but I tell you what we can do in honor of of your sacrifices is we can enjoy the freedom that we have uh, to follow Jesus. Yes, we can, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That uh, we are free to do that, right, Church? Yeah. All right, that's what I like to hear. Um, we have been in a series. We're closing it out tonight, uh, today, this morning, on how who is my neighbor? I didn't want to close it out, did I? Um, not even the lion. Uh, The first week, we looked at a discussion that Jesus had with a lawyer over uh, just who is my neighbor, and as Jesus is so brilliant to do, uh, he didn't answer the question. He tells a story, and he asks the lawyer questions, and he coaches him into drawing his own conclusion that the neighbor is the one who does what? Shows mercy. It really wasn't about who is my neighbor as much as it was, what kind of neighbor am I? And the, the lawyer had to come to that conclusion on his own. I thought it was a brilliant, just an absolute brilliant example of economy of words. And uh, just, if you, have, if you haven't read that in Luke 10, you should. Then last week, again in Luke 10, we took a look at uh, maybe Jesus gave us a little bit of help in moving into our neighborhoods and finding people that were maybe a little more receptive to our friendships and to us getting to know them and those were people of peace that's also in the 10th chapter of Luke and so we took a look at what uh, these folks uh, may look like and who they may be in our neighborhood now I ask you guys to, to come up with their names right you got it right everybody in here has the name of a neighbor or neighbors whom you think are people of peace right neighbors that you're praying for and all, and at the end of the sermon this morning when we go back into worship you have a couple of post-its in your handout and what we want you to do is to write that name, first name of that neighbor down and you'll see the glorious artwork I created on the walls here on both sides it took so much of my creativity um, and uh, you can at the end of the service as we go back into worship and you're praying for your neighbor if you would take that post-it Write their first name on it and go post it somewhere over in that vicinity on that wall and pray for them. And what we'll be doing through the holidays is we'll be praying for our neighbors. And we'll be praying for ourselves that that we would be that good neighbor. So uh, be thinking about that. And as the name comes to you, write it on the post-it. And uh, go over and when you stick it on there kind of like the Bible talks about laying on of hands. Lay your hand on that name. And go, Lord, let me be a good neighbor to this neighbor. And uh, today, as we close it out, I think, um, I hope you will get as much encouragement from this as I did when I read it. We're going to be over in Acts 17, if you have your Bibles, over in the 17th chapter of Acts. And before we do that, I'm going to pray, and we'll jump into this. Lord, thank you for an opportunity to look at your word. Thank you uh, for the freedom to be able to gather today to to study, to encourage one another, to sing, to laugh, and most of all, to learn what it means to follow you. We ask for your help today, Holy Spirit. Would you come be with us? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, over in Acts 17, what a wonderful book, the book of Acts. We are at a point where the Apostle Paul, this guy is out and he's preaching and he's doing his work. Uh, The book of Acts was written sometime around A.D. 70 to maybe A.D. 100. Uh, Paul they believe, uh, had his conversion to Christianity around A.D. 31, somewhere like that, and he was uh, executed around A.D. 67. Uh, so that means he was a Christian for about 36 years Did he walk with Christ before uh, they killed him for his faith and for his preaching. Uh, somewhere in the middle of this 36 years, maybe in the latter part, uh, we find Paul at Athens. Uh, some of his friends takes him to Greece, Greece, drops him off in this wonderful city, this city full of philosophers, and and they go back. And, and I love the way the story is told because it, it basically says, don't leave Paul there very, very long by himself. It's like Paul gets in trouble. You know, he's... He's not going to just sit there and go, ur, ur, ur. you know, he's he's going to go out and he's going to talk to somebody. He's going to put himself in the line of fire somehow, some way. He's going to go out and tell somebody about Christ. And so as Paul was wont to do, he's walking through the city streets and through the, the bazaars and through the, the markets. And he begins to talk outside of the synagogue, which was his normal place to go in a, in a city first. And then he made his way into the market and he began to debate and talk with the different philosophers. Well, while Paul was walking through the city, he noticed there were all kinds of idols and statues to idols all over the city. And he was distraught. It broke his heart to see a city worshiping idols and so many idols. They even had an idol that said to the unknown God or to the unknown that how's that C Y A N? I mean that is like covering it all. And then I mean that's like we don't know all the gods, so we'll just make one statue for the one we missed. And uh this is so so like we are actually today, it seems like. And uh nobody's could be wrong. Everyone's has to be right and and so the more we stick around, the more we become what we were and the more that we think there's nothing new under the sun. Absolutely. And so Paul is uh, is sharing Christ and debating people, and he gets into this conversation with these two groups: the Epicurean philosophers and the Stoic philosophers. And just like their names, the Epicureans enjoyed pleasure; they wanted to find any way they could to get out of pain, and so they would find some uh, direction to go in the area of pleasure so that they could enjoy life and stay away from the pain of life. Epicureans didn't believe in God per se. They believed there might be many gods, but you certainly could never get to know God. So there was no personal contact in this. The Stoics were just like their name. They were very Stoic. And they they didn't believe they in pursuing pleasure. They were a very realist group. And uh, the Stoics were the group of the common person. And the Epicureans were of the more educated class. And so Paul is trying to tell them about Christ. And in the midst of this, uh, in verse 18, uh, they, call, they say this, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them ask, what is this babbler trying to say? <laughs> And, you know, you've been called names because of what you believe or what you're saying. What is this babbler talking about Paul? The word babbler is the picture of a bird pecking its seed on the, on the pavement. How irritating that is. Ever had a woodpecker outside your window? You know, and that's the picture of Paul. They're saying, Paul, you're a bird brain. What like you really, you're getting on our nerves. This doesn't make any sense to us what you're telling us about. But does that put Paul off? No, 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 no. He pursues and he, he moves right on in. To, they take him to the Areopagus where all the philosophers gathered and he begins to talk and try to explain to them uh, who Christ is. Now, I think there's some help for us as neighbors in how we look at our lives today in this passage in verse 26. And so let's, that's our text today. I just wanted to set that up so you can see Paul they're in, in Athens, uh, in the Areopagus, uh, uh, in, on Mars Hill, talking to the philosophers. And then in, verse, in Acts 17, verse 26, we read, "From one man this is Paul speaking he made all the nations talking to the philosophers, that they should inhabit the whole Earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands." God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. You have a fill-in in your handout if you want to follow along with me. I think it would be great. And uh, you can remind yourselves of these things today as you leave and as you move into your neighborhood this week. Your first one is this. You were created, you were created to live on this earth. Did you get that from verse 26? From one man, he made all the nations that they, all the nations, that's all of them, that they, you and I, should inhabit the whole earth. You are not a mistake. You are not a babbler. You are not someone worthless as the philosophers tried to tell Paul that he was. You are not. Your time, you know, right now, here in this spot on the earth, you were meant to be. There is nothing or anything more demoralizing, I think, than to begin to fall into the thought that my life is random and my life is just a mistake. That uh, and I hear this even from the atheists. There's a couple of them that I really like. that, That they I keep saying, "Why do you think you exist? I'm just a mistake. I'm just a bunch of DNA splashed together. That's it. That's all I am." And I'm thinking, really, when you look in your children's eyes, that is all you see. You don't see any meaning. You don't see that you have purpose right now here on this earth. And he'll go, "What about the aliens?" And I'm like, what about the aliens? Are you seeing them? And I'm like, well, if there are aliens, then great. But they don't, I hope, maybe, they don't live here, but I do. And you do. And the scripture tells me that God placed me on the earth. That was his plan. That was his choice. And every bump and bruise that you have that tries to rob from you and steal from you that sense of purpose of you being you're supposed to be here now is listen that's a part of your character god is going to use every bit of that to reinforce in you how much he cares for you loves you and he will use that with your neighbors because they're getting bumped too when you're getting bumped and bruised in life who do you want to talk to You want to talk to somebody else who's been bumped and bruised and made it through it. That's who you want to talk to. Do you want to talk to someone that goes, oh, I've never had any problems. None. And if you follow God, everything's perfect and you get everything you want. And I'm going, I don't want it. You know, I don't want to be around anybody like that. That's not helping me. I'll feel worse by the minute. No. You don't want to be with someone who said, Tim, God was closer to me in those times than he ever was any other time. He's still with me. I'm still going through bumps and bruises, but he's there. Don't let it rob you of the purpose of your life and that it was God's choice to put you on this earth now. That is his plan. That was his his only to put you here now, here on this earth. The aliens, well, we'll deal with them when they come, and um, we'll preach the gospel to them too. Secondly, you were created to live at this time, at this particular time. In verse 26, it says, and he marked out their appointed times in history. Wow. He set a boundary around that particular time that we live. Ever, ever heard somebody say, I was just born at the wrong time, or I was meant for another era or another time? No, you were No, you weren't. You were made for now, right now. Your generation, your time, right here, your life. God marked out those boundaries, and he set them. You ever worried about being on time? Like, you know, I mess up time all all the time. I I used to do some concert promotion, and I, I had this Christian band come into town. And so... You know, I looked at my calendar, and I was like, okay, this is going to be awesome. And so I showed up at the, it was a gymnasium. We were going to have the concert in, and I got the PA guy, and we set up this wonderful monster PA, and I'm waiting for the band to come load in. Nothing happens. It's like two hours before the gig, you know, I'm waiting another hour. I'm like, man, and nobody's showing up early either for the concert. I'm like, wow, sound man's looking at me. Dude, you suck at promotion. And I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't know yet. Hold on, you know, it got time for the concert. Nobody's there but me and the sound man. So I find the phone. I call the band. I said, where are you guys? He said, Mississippi. I said, Mississippi, why aren't you here? Hold on. That's next month, Tim, next month. I was like, thank you, Lord. Nobody else came, you know, and there would be no band. It's like being on time or you're late. You are not late. And you are not early. You are on time. Right now is your time. There are two words that Paul could have used. or Luke as he's writing this, could have used when it comes to time. There's the word Chronos, which means incremental, you know, time. like you're going to pass time like I'm just passing time. That's Chronos. Just ah, What do I do? That's Chronos. There's another word for time, Kairos. Kairos, which is what he used here, means, get this: time with opportunity. Time with opportunity. And that's the time that God has given you and me. There is opportunity in the time that he has given to you in your life. This is not wasted time. You're not here at the wrong time. It is time, that time, which gives opportunity to. And, and, of course, Paul is saying it gives opportunity to, to recognize who God is and to, to, for us to do what we are called to do in our neighborhoods, with our neighbors, God marked out time in your history for opportunity to know Him and to make Him known. Both. So you're meant for the earth. You're meant for this time. You are here at the right time. Can you say this? I am meant to be. Can you just say that? I am meant to be. Yes, you're meant to be. And thirdly, is you were created to live at this place, on this earth, at this time, in this locale, at this place. Look at verse 26, the latter part of it. And the boundaries of their lands. God marked out the time. He marked out the boundary of their lands. And that simply means the boundaries prescribed territory, appointed to live in a prescribed territory territory, boundary lands. Now, I know some of us are living where we don't want to live. We're like, I want to sell my house and I want to move somewhere else. But you're there now, right? So those are your boundary lines. Whether it's the apartment you're in, the dorm you're in, the subdivision you're in, the condo you're in, those are your boundary lines right now. Those are the ones God has set in your life. Now, that can change. But because it's the Cairo's time, and you're in that spot, it is your time for that space. You're the man, you're the woman for that space, for that time. You're very special. You're very special. God intended for you to be where you are, and even if you got there by a mistake, you make use of it while you're there before God moves you on. Make use of it. And then maybe God will move you on to another boundary. And you're like, I like this one better. But just make use of the one that you're in now. When you watch Israel, they're marching across the desert. They're going here. It's like God always had them going a certain direction. And he'll say, set up these property like piles of rocks or a tree. And he'll say, this is your boundary, Israel. Right here. And the different tribes of Israel will be given certain lands. And they would put the boundary lines up. And and then we move into the church. And we know that God has called us and given us boundaries. He's given us land. He's given us a time to do what we've been called to do. So it's no mistake. You're not stumbling and bumbling through life. There is purpose in all of it. Where you are and the time that you are there. There is purpose for you. Why? And here's... Your fourth fill in because you were created to live so that others would seek and find God. You were created to live so that others would seek and find God. Verse 27, God did this, put you on the earth at the time that he put you there within the boundaries of where you live so that the people, your neighbors, and you would seek him. And I love this word, and perhaps, don't you like that? Maybe, <laughs> perhaps, maybe they will just reach out to him and find him. Maybe, because of where you are, because of who you are, because of your influence, because of the type of neighbor that you are. Just maybe, perhaps. Perhaps. Just perhaps. I love that because it just, it kind of lets you move into it in a real uh, wholesome way, doesn't it? Perhaps, like I will go and live my life. Perhaps people will see God in me. Perhaps they'll see a difference because this is my place. This is my time. Fifthly, you were created to live so that others would realize that God is not far away. He's not far away. He's not distant. Look at verse 27 again. Though he is not far from who? Any of us. He is not far from any of us. Man, what great news. God is not far from any any of us. I mean, what if, what if we defi- defined our success in, at the vineyard here? What if we defined our success by how many people we knew outside of the church? Not inside, but how many people we knew outside of the church that we were placed in our neighborhoods at our time, the neighbors we know, the people we work with, what if we def- our jobs, all of that, if we just defined ourselves by that? This is how the vineyard will be a successful church. We will get to know our neighbors. We will get to know the people that we're around and we'll become good neighbors to them. And perhaps, perhaps, because God is not very far away, they will come to know Him, seek Him, and they will find Him. Perhaps you were created to live so that others would realize God is not far away. And I realize sometimes we feel like God is far away. Right? Have your feelings ever lied to you? Have they? You ever responded to a feeling and go, "I shouldn't have done that." You know, it's like, "No, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I should." Have, you know, sometimes your feelings lie to you, and you have to be re- reminded: God is not far. He's not far from any of us. And guess what? He's not far from your neighbor. He is not far from your roommate. He is not far from the the condo next door and the apartment and the dorm. He's not far from your friends. He's not far at all. So how do we live this out? This is the ABC down at the bottom. The first one is this, by living your life. For in him we live. In Jesus we live. Just live the life of Christ that he has given you. It's not rocket science. It really isn't. Living your life as a good neighbor, as someone who knows that this is your time, that God has put you on this earth with a kairos time for opportunity and living among your friends and neighbors and being available so that perhaps they may know that God, if they seek him, is not far away. What a way to live life. What an exciting way to live life. In him we live. I mean, be a good neighbor. Live. You know, be a good neighbor. Cut your yard. <laughs> Rake it. I raked mine yesterday. It didn't make any difference. I woke up this morning and I was like, what did I spend five hours yesterday raking this yard? And yeah, look at this. And B, be be, fill in is this, by stirring about. The word is move. It says, for in him we live and move. But the word move has this feel to it of stirring. Like, uh, you know, you get up in the morning, you begin to stir about. And so you you get up and you walk outside and, and you see your neighbor. Like when I was raking yesterday, my neighbor came by and, and parked his bike. And, man, I found out so much information. I mean, I found out what food he likes now. I know that he likes hamburger, So now when I cook, when I grill hamburgers, I can invite him over. I know he doesn't like steak. I know that he likes pork chops, and I know he likes to talk. And so, uh, (laughs) so (laughs) but you you don't find these things out if you don't stir about, if you don't get out, do a walk, and and get into your neighborhood. And, uh, you know, we never cease to be a carrier of Christ. He's always with us everywhere we go. Um, There's a scripture in uh, 2 Corinthians I, I got to read this. I just thought of this this morning. Uh, 2 Corinthians and verse 3, or, or excuse me, chapter 3 and verse 1. Listen to this, and this is from Paul to a church in Corinth. He says, um, are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. You get that? Every time you go out, a letter goes out to the neighbor. You can make yourself into a little envelope and see yourself going like this, you know. Don't dress up like that. And uh, with your neighbors, every time they see you, you open up, they open up the letter. And they see in your heart what is written on it. And Paul says, we don't need any letters from anybody else because you, church, are our letters. The love of God and the mercy of God is written on your heart so that everyone can read and see them. But can you say, I'm a letter? There you go. There you go. That's us. The last one is this. How can we do this? By being who we are in Christ. By just being who we are in Christ. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being. Have our being. It's not a religion. It's who we are. We are not assuming some religious stance here. This is our actual being. We have been transformed. I have a study. I don't have time to go through it today, but it just came out last week, and it's a study in neighborhoods of what people believe faith-wise in neighborhoods, and I bet a lot of us in here believe exactly what is this. What is this. One of the things is over half the people believe there's really nothing special with Jesus, that he's just one of the ways. 56% believe that. And uh, But, you know, my question has always been, gosh, if, if God said any old way will do, why did he make such an excruciatingly painful way for his own son to go through for us to get to him? Why in the world would he do that if we can just be good? And, by the way, what is good enough? And who gets to decide what's good and what is good enough? Do I get to decide if you're good enough to go to heaven? Do you get to decide if I'm good enough? What is good compared to God's holiness and his purity? What good? These are great conversations, Because at the end of the day, none of us are good enough. But Christ is. And he has become our propitiation. He has paid the price for us. And that is the good news. And the good news of Christ is the good news to your neighborhood. And the good news to the confusion, the confusion out there over just who God is because he's very close. He's not far. He's close. He's close right now. He's right here. He's within reach, it says, right now, right now. If you feel like, I I feel so distant to God, that's a feeling. I got news for you. You're not far from him. You're here right now, and he's here right now. All you do is you seek him, and you reach for him because he is reaching for you.